The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're going to be having some fun today uh, with my guest, Barry Rothman. He's the author of a new book called Mary Ann or Ginger, the Dilemma in Every Man's Life. Well, uh, in case you don't know where that reference comes from, Marianne or Ginger, I'm sure he will explain it to you. But uh, t- uh, today's show is essentially pop culture and man's search for a soulmate. And whether we're talking about Gilligan's Island, which is where Marianne and Ginger were, uh, or to today's Tiger Woods, where... Um, <laughs> Where hasn't he been? <laughs> Where I think the the score is now up to ten. It's either nine or ten, depending upon how credible um, the latest women are. You know, it's interesting. I think some women are going to start coming forward and just claiming to be one of his mistresses. Since you know, after a while, it's hard to keep track of of all the different places he was supposed to be. And uh, they certainly would like to have the. The celebrity status, their 15 minutes of fame while, while everyone's wondering about it. Very sad story, and I think related to what um, my guest Barry Rothman has written about, since, in fact, Tiger has left his very beautiful um, and smart and uh, sensitive and all the good things you would want in a woman and more uh, to go with these tasty tarts. So let's find out more about that. Perry, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You know, it gives a good meaning, or it gives a different meaning, excuse me, to following Tiger's score. Yeah, um, that's right. I think you're right. I think it's 9 or 10 now, and who knows where it's going to end. Yes. I mean, I think also as these women realize that not only could there be 15 minutes of fame, but there could be a payoff, Yeah. Um, more might come out than actually exist, or even if they do exist, then uh, be, they'd be more willing to acknowledge it, you know, for, for what they'd get sure. from it. Well, we'll probably get just... into it later, but, you know, it's no different than the John Edwards story, the David Letterman story, and, yes. and you could go on at, yes. at infinitum. Yes, and uh, which is why, actually, and I might as well talk about it, I think this is the first time I've mentioned it on my show. I am in the process, well, as a lot of people, my listeners know, I wrote the book a number of years ago, Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live with Them, and When to Leave Them. And I will be coming out with that at some point in the future um, with sort of an update of the list of bad boys. Um, I think it's going to have to be, <laughs> it'll have to be something that can be print on demand so that I can keep adding um, bad boys to the, to the different chapters that they fit in. But I'm in the process of finishing 
a book, a new book, called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. And um, uh, so, as we'll all hear, uh, that's where you come in, Barry, because you've been brave enough to oh, yes. admit that, that publicly in your book. It started out uh, with Gilligan's Island. I'm a child of the 60s, so I, of course, saw all the wonderful 60s sitcoms. And my favorite was, I was 10 years old, and my favorite was Gilligan's Island. And, of course, now when I see pictures of uh, Dawn Wells as Marianne, I think to myself, my God, she was gorgeous. But at the time, she made about as much an impression on me as maybe Mr. or Mrs. Howell, if you'll remember them. No, it was always Ginger, the the sexy, conniving bad girl played by Tina Louise, who always turned my head as a young boy. And every time uh, she would try to seduce Gilligan for one reason or another, and that happened generally every episode, I was just a goner. So even at that young age, I thought to myself, gee, am I genetically predisposed to like the bad girl? And then, actually a year later, I was 11 years old, I remember very, very vividly, my parents took me to see my first adult, well, it's not an adult movie, it's uh, my first grown-up movie, let's put it that way. Not an adult movie, but a grown-up movie, and it was Dr. Zhivago. And I, as an 11-year-old, I didn't understand anything about the Russian Revolution or the Tsar or the Bolsheviks. But what I did understand and what came across very clearly was the choice that Yuri Zhivago, played by Omar Sharif, had to make. He could stay with his wonderful, sweet wife, Tonya, played by Geraldine Chaplin, or he could go after that gorgeous, temptress, Laura, played by Julie and um, Played by, we, we, we kind I'm of sorry, lost Ju- you there. No, Laura, Julie played Christie. by who? Julie Christie. Ah, yes, right. And uh, at my, in my Christie was, at that time, I think the most beautiful woman in the world. She was like a modern-day Helen of Troy. And, of course, uh, ultimately, uh, Yuri Zhivago goes the way of Laura picking the bad girl. And, uh, you know, he... he basically ruins his life he, he he loses his family and uh loses his health just for brief moments of exquisite bliss with Julie Christie and uh he ends up prematurely aged acting out what i think is the best best death scene in the history of movies reaching out to her on a lonely Moscow street clutching his heart and dying of a heart attack mm. so that's what can come uh, from, you know, going after the bad girl. At least that's what this 10- and 11-year-old thought. Yeah. But did he learn his lesson? No, nah, probably not. Probably not. Okay. So what happened next? Well, uh, I grew up, or I actually I got older. I'm not okay. sure if I ever grew up. But um, I w- would tend to uh, do just, uh, amazingly crazy things uh, to meet women. I've traveled the world looking for my soulmate. I, I flew to London for a date and got stood up. Mm. I uh, I enlisted uh, the aid of the actor Kirk Douglas in an effort to, for him to fix me up with his book editor. I've done quite a few uh, crazy things. I think uh, more so than anybody that I know, I have made the effort to find my soulmate, and I and I hope I always haven't tried to go after the bad girl, but now I'm at the tender age of 
50 to 55 or so, uh, never been married, been engaged twice and lived with someone, but basically am alone without children uh, and in my 50s. So I guess you and uh, my readers will have to decide whether or not uh, I've made any of the right decisions. But I certainly have good stories to tell, and I, I say in the book I have great stories to tell the grandkids, but one needs to get a date for Saturday night to have grandkids, you know, come into play. <laughs> yes, that would help. Yeah, well, that would one help. night of the week. Exactly. <laughs> um, so how do you think watching uh, Gilligan's Island and Dr. Zhivago, and I guess you have other examples too, um, how do you think that that affected you um, to to make you go after the bad girl. I mean, for example, I, I don't remember, in Gilligan's Island, I don't think, I mean, he never gets either woman, right? No, I don't believe so. So, um, so there wasn't that uh, sort of satisfaction of seeing him <laughs> blissful after um, uh, getting ginger. Yeah, I never saw them uh, in bed smoking cigarettes at right. the end. No, not at all. <laughs> So, and with Dr. Zhivago, you were just describing uh, how he ends, it ends, and he ends painfully in the street dying of a heart attack, a broken heart, essentially. Um, so and that would, didn't seem that, like a good plan. Yeah, you, you would think that would teach me a lesson, right? Yes. Um, well, you'll, you'll, you'll note that uh, just recently, a couple months ago, uh, Archie Andrews of Archie Comic Books fame uh, has asked Veronica to marry him. So after 65 years, the choice between Veronica, the ginger of his world, or Betty, the Marianne of his world, mm. and he went with Veronica. And frankly, I was an avid reader of that, the, the, those comic books uh, for years. And of course, uh, my choice always would have been Veronica. She was the one that I thought was the hottest and the most interesting and, and what have you so um well now i liked archie comic books but i don't know anything about uh, this i mean these are are you talking about in the new that they're continuing to go on with yes new they versions are and, which and i didn't know about but yeah it was uh it was on the internet and then i was talking uh to an interviewer in canada and we pretty much just discussed that the whole show but yes those comic books continue they've been uh, i guess being published i did a little research on that, because I wrote an op-ed piece on it, and I guess this is like the 65th year that Archie and his friends have been around. Uh, and I must say, uh, you know, for 65, uh, Veronica's still looking pretty good. <laughs> and still, um, but yes, they still haven't gotten out of high school, right? I'm sorry, excuse me. They still haven't gotten out of high school. They haven't gotten out of high school. <laughs> That's exactly right. I wish, I wish, I wish I could figure out whatever that secret is. <laughs> So, so, you know, um, I feel sorry for poor Betty. Uh, she'll probably end up with Jughead. Who knows? Right. Uh, but, yes, no, after, actually, they, they showed online the uh, cover of that particular comic strip edition, and it was two hands, one hand, you know, putting an engagement ring on another hand. Hmm. So, yeah, so Archie, I, I, I wish he'd called me beforehand. <laughs> I wish he had read my book, but it's it's really hard to... Uh, to counsel a comic book character. That's right. so. I wonder if that sort of means that they are drawing this comic book to a close, you know, because that seems like something that would be, I mean, unless there are, of course there can be pitfalls on the way to the altar, but um, it was, it's been a long time with his, without his making a choice. 
Well, he's made his choice, and uh, I just think that uh, Veronica is probably going to cheat on him with Reggie or somebody. Yeah, I don't that, know. Yeah, maybe. But um, so, so he's but he's made his choice. And, getting back to my question about how all of these different cultural um, uh, characters affected you and your choices. I mean, do you think that? Do you think it seems like even though you saw the downside? It somehow um, perpetuated your search for the bad girl. I think it did, and uh, you could probably analyze that better than I could. But like I said, at the young age of 10, I realized that there was a choice to make. And um, I would say throughout my adult life, I may have chosen more gingers than Marianne's, unfortunately. And uh, even knowing what the downside probably would be, uh, possibly I couldn't help myself. Um, possibly I thought that I would learn lessons. And um, I don't know. Whatever it is, uh, I've, I've still um, gone after, for the most part, the gingers of the world. Um, uh, you know, th- those two names are kind of magic. Um, I'll say Marianne or Ginger to mm-hmm. someone from the age of 10 to to 80, and they'll all, they'll won't even say anything else. They'll just say, "Oh yes, I date Marianne's," or "Oh, I date mm. Ginger's." The smart mm. ones tell me, "Oh, I date Marianne," or "I date Ginger's," but I uh, marry the Marianne. Mm-hmm. And I will say the same names to those to women those ages. And the women will say, oh, I'm a Marianne, or oh, I'm a ginger. So I'm not sure anyone wants to actually admit being a ginger, but, but they do. Well, you know, um, oh, I had a feeling. <laughs> that means we need to take a break. We will come back. We'll talk more about this. Um, and maybe, and I, of course, we're all dying for you to share some of your stories about In Search of Ginger. Of course. <laughs> So we're, we're, uh, we need to take a break now from Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest is Barry Rothman. His book is Marianne or Ginger, The Dilemma in Every Man's Life. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? 
Call the Terrorism Hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about pop culture and man's search for a soulmate. And in particular, we're talking about Barry Rothman's search for a soulmate, which he describes in his new book called Marianne or Ginger, The Dilemma in Every Man's Life. And how to deal with it. Oh, I left, I left that off the first time. And oh, how to deal with it. That's the important part, right? How to deal with it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about um, some of the things that you have done to, uh, to try to meet women. Starting, you know, I mean, you, you talked about how at 10 is when you started watching Gilligan's Island right. and realized about uh, Marianne and Ginger and your proclivity for gingers. Um, how did that impact your, you know, your first dating years? Um, I unfortunately probably went after still the gingers of the world. I think it was something that I just couldn't help. But and I mean, then, how did that how did that play out in high school? You know, were there were there girls, were there Marianne's who came after you? I mean, did you go it, out in high school? It, oh, you God, yes. Uh, uh, it was mostly me going after the women. I was always uh, the the uh, pursuer. And uh, a perfect example is is all of my senior year in high school, I dated this wonderful, beautiful, well, let's just say beautiful young sophomore named Rosalind, and uh, I think we could describe her as the ginger type. She was very selfish from a very wealthy family. Uh, She was very demanding, um, but she was just, beautiful and charming and uh i was just bowled over by her and uh on my birthday uh the summer after my senior year she broke up with me mm. 
and um, and she didn't give it another thought. She was in another relationship, um, oh, I would say within weeks. It took me probably two years to get over her. Mm. Um, so um, I think that uh, my proclivity uh, for going after the gingers has led to a lot of heartbreak, to be honest with you. Uh, it has also uh, uh, allowed me to travel the uh, the world on uh, on my quest, and I have found um, many, actually both Marianne's and Gingers all over the world. Most mostly uh, Gingers, actually, <laughs> um, unfortunately. But well, you uh, know, just to go back to uh, Roslyn, mm-hmm. it's interesting. It almost seems sadistic that she broke up with you on your birthday. I mean, it almost seemed planned. Well, it wasn't very nice. Let's just say that. I, I don't, you know, I don't know what was going on through her mind. Uh, we, we, we met at a uh, reunion many years later, and we talked a little bit mm. about it. But I never really quizzed her about it. I really <laughs> didn't want to get into it. But yeah, that was uh, that was uh, that was a bad one. Uh, uh, then, late, much later on in my life, one of my last relationships. Um, she was a ballet dancer named Olga. Uh, again, charming, beautiful, uh, self-absorbed, narcissistic. Uh, in those things that you might figure that a ballet dancer uh, would would have in their personality. Uh, we actually, and this was more of a mutual thing, but we broke up on a Christmas day. Hmm. So. Um, and I think that was just as much my uh, decision as it was hers. Things were just not going the way that I would have liked them to go. Uh, basically, I was looking for, and again, this is much. This is only a few years ago. I was looking for an exclusive relationship. She was looking to date around. Mm. And uh, so, um, you know, from Rosalind when I was a senior year in high school to Olga. Uh, just a couple of years ago, um, there's been uh, many stories between them, but uh, some of them have a very similar outcome. Well, now, um, you don't do holidays too well, do you? No, I don't do holidays or birthdays very well. I, I kind of ignore those now. And I tell friends, I, I tell them, uh, you know, a friend of mine recently said he was going to get married and he wanted to propose on Christmas Day. And I told him, don't do it. I said, pick another day because, God forbid, if it does not work out, you don't want to spend the rest of your life uh, thinking about that mistake you made on Christmas yeah. Day. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, I try to veer away from the holidays or the birthdays uh, with, res- with respect to any major decisions in my life, especially romantic ones. Um. Well, now, uh, you know, I, we were talking about, I, I started talking to you before about um, why you think that this is so. And I know from, uh, in my book, Bad Boys, I talk about how um, one of the factors has to do with the women who don't, who are afraid of intimacy, uh, afraid of having a really close relationship pick bad boys consciously or unconsciously because they know that there isn't going to be one. And so one of the things I'd have to ask you is, you know, do you think that starting early on in life, not only were you watching these television shows, but there was something that 
made you fearful of getting close? I don't know. I I uh, probably would describe myself as a good boy. Um, I've always been the one who does things for the other person. And it was really my mother taught me as a youngster, you know, uh, if you go to someone's home, you bring a gift. If you uh, are dating someone, you treat them in a certain way. My parents were married for 58 years, mm. and I learned really the proper way, I think, to treat a woman or a girl, even, uh, you know, as a youngster in a relationship. Uh, so I think I was always the good boy and uh, always the good boy who was maybe attracted to the bad girl. Mm-hmm. And the bad girl does not necessarily appreciate all the kind and wonderful things you do for her. Uh, the good girl generally does. So, uh, yeah, I think there was a certain disconnect there. And, uh, and, and I'm not saying that I wished I was the bad boy, but I certainly saw uh, the bad girls in my life leave me for the bad boy type. Mm. Now, the bad boy type might be physically or verbally abusive to them, um, but they would still ultimately settle for the bad boy type. And, uh, you know, that that's just my experience. Um, and... Hope you know someone should be counseling those girls. I think about why they're doing that, and maybe you'll do that in your book. Well, maybe. Um, you know, sometimes. Um, well, what's interesting is that is that bad girls are do sometimes pair up with bad boys, as well as bad girls pairing up with good boys, and vice versa. You know, but um, good girls who go for bad boys usually when they get dumped or hurt um, by the bad boy, they pick a good boy for um, to as a as a resting place uh, before they go off in search again of bad boys. In other words, you know, they have a broken heart, they take shelter <laughs> yeah. um, with a bad with a good boy for a while until they are feel strong enough to go back and go back looking for uh, back into the bad boy pool. Yes. I, I'm sure that makes perfect sense, and I, I actually know of girls uh, or women in my past that have done just that. And it strikes me, as, the interesting thing is that they never remain single for long. After uh, you, you mean? They go right from the bad boy to the good boy to the bad boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll never forget Jerry Seinfeld in one of his shows. He was describing how women go from relationship to relationship, and he likens it to Tarzan swinging on the vines. <laughs> he goes across the jungle, swing from one vine to the next. <laughs> so uh, basically attractive, available women are rarely, if ever, not in a relationship. If they break up with one person, it's just a matter of days or weeks at the most. Well, now, I'm sure you'd have a lot, of, a lot of attractive, available women taking... Um, Disagreeing with you? Oh, really? You haven't come across that? I haven't. Because um, and the search continues. <laughs> well, maybe it's because you've been looking, you know, in this in this bad girl um, pile rather than the good girls who are attractive and and yet, uh, um, you know, <laughs> trying to find uh, 
either good guys or bad guys, but, you know, not necessarily. I mean, you've watched Sex in the City, right? Right, right. So, um... <laughs> now, would, those, would those all be considered bad girls or good girls? I don't know, because I, I kind of like some of them. Well, um, you know, well, it, it sort of depends upon your definition. You know, in a sense, they were each bad girls. Right. Um, but in different ways. But but I guess what I'm saying is that even whether they were good or bad, that they went for long periods of time without having men. Or, well, maybe not long periods of time, but periods of time. It's hard to tell when it's a, <laughs> a weekly show. I'm sorry, we... Uh... There was a blip there, and I think I, I oh, lost oh, oh, 30 I guess, seconds. I'm and sorry. I guess that that's because that's the music again, which I didn't hear. Oh. We need to take a break. The time is flying. Um, my guest is Barry Rothman. His book is Marianne or Ginger, The Dilemma in Every Man's Life and How to Deal with It. And we'll be talking more about that. When we come back, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about Skills USA? Skills USA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com 
Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting Barry Rothman on the couch, um, as I will do even more off the air. Um, but uh, It's very comfy there. Thank you. <laughs> And, and before we delve any further into your uh, dysfunctional love life, <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> um, I do want to, I do want everyone to know that you have had a very successful professional career as an attorney. You know yeah. that before, you know, people are thinking you're sort of, uh, I don't know what they may be thinking that you've been doing after. Besides reading Archie comic books and That's watching right. reruns of Gilligan's Island, but you have had. Um, and we'll give out your your um, uh, website at the end, uh, so people can read this for themselves. But um, you know, I just I'm just throwing that in there now, so that to put put you in the proper appropriate professional context. Right. No, for <laughs> that even a professional a... man who's very brilliant in some ways can still have these kinds of problems deciding exactly. between Ginger and Marianne. Exactly. No, for 30 years I was a practicing attorney in Denver. Had my own practice for 21 years. And so, uh, no, I was a pretty stable, uh, conservative, uh, you know, successful uh, professional. But that doesn't guarantee, right. uh, you know, a stable uh, love life, I guess. Right, absolutely. Okay, so why don't we talk about some of your um, intriguing stories. You mentioned something about a girl in London. Tell us about uh, yes. that. Well, I uh, I had a foster child that I was supporting in a little town, a little village in, near Konkan, Thailand. Hmm. Uh, a little, you know, village with with, you know, Houses on stilts and no running water, and mm-hmm. so I was uh, supporting her, and uh, so I thought to myself, oh, I'd like to go visit her. So I actually signed up with a British tour group for a two-week tour of Thailand, and then I was going to take the third week off and visit my foster child. So I went there and uh, met the group uh, in um, uh, in Bangkok. And, uh, of course, I was traveling alone, so I, at the first meeting, I was looking around to see if there were any single, unattached women, and I noticed one, and she was a beautiful, uh, turned out to be a Scottish doctor working in London. Her name was Kathy. And it was certainly love at first sight for me. Um, it took probably a couple more days for her, but ultimately, uh, we just became a, a twosome, and uh, I moved into her her room, and we traveled the length and breadth of Thailand, um, spending really literally 24 hours a day together. And uh, it was a love match like I'd never experienced, and it was so romantic. I felt like Fabio, right? And uh, so we swore that it, the tour ended in two weeks. She was going to take off for another week to visit uh, Malaysia. And I was going to take off for that week and visit uh-huh. my foster child. And so we, of course, uh, communicated uh, for the next nine months uh, and, and obviously telling each other how much we loved each other and deciding you know, how she was going to transfer her practice to the U.S. Uh-huh. because I really couldn't transfer my practice to the U.K. And so we had decided that uh, it was the next year, it was, I remember it was in July, that I would fly to London, 
and that I would stay with her, and we would uh, travel up to Scotland. She was from Galashiel, Scotland. I would meet the folks, and uh, who knows, right? Right. So I got on the plane, and, uh, you know, I had an eight-hour flight, but the whole time I was thinking to myself of the time that I would get out of customs, and she would run madly crying into my arms, Oh, Barry, I've missed you so much. I love you. Um, that's your first uh-huh. mistake. You really shouldn't. Uh, you really shouldn't think ahead like that. So, so I get off the plane at Gatwick Airport and um, go through customs, and no one's there. So I wait five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, an hour, hour and a half. By then, it's about two in the morning, hmm. and I figure I don't think Kathy's going to show up. So I booked myself a room on Oxford Street uh, near near Marble Arch, downtown uh, uh, London, and I called the hospital, uh, and I actually got to know these women at the hospital, answered the phones pretty well since I had talked to them almost daily. And they said, oh, well, Kathy uh, took off for the week, and she's up in Galashiels. Uh, turns out, obviously, she got cold feet. She knew I was going to go up there and propose to her. And instead of being truthful with me and talking with me about it, she mm. just decided to uh, to scurry. And so she scurried up to uh, Galashiels, and I found myself with a week on my hands in London alone. I, and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Quiet Man with John Wayne. No. This is, uh, he, he plays, he's in Ireland, and he is uh, has just uh, been engaged to Maureen O'Hara, and she's uh, fighting him every way, but he takes takes her back by the hair uh, to his homestead. I'm sure some of your listeners will remember the movie. But so I thought to myself, I'm going to go up to Galashiels and I'm going to drag her back yes. by the hair. And uh, but you know, I decided, well, no, let's you know, discretion's a better part of valor. Let's just decide what you're going to do. And frankly, I'd never been to London, so um, I just well, spent, well, wait. Did you yeah. have her parents' address? No, but uh, her name was Bryden, Dr. Catherine yes. Bryden, and I thought Galashiels yes. is a small town. Yes. I could find her pretty yes, easily. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, but I decided not to. I just didn't want to make a scene, and I felt like if she was going to do this to me, it was not worth traveling up to Scotland to, you know, see what had happened. And uh, so basically I just spent the week by myself in London, just taking day trips out of London. And I enjoyed myself. I had a great time. It was not quite the time I had expected. And frankly, I never heard from her again. Uh, Did did you try to contact her? I've tried. I have. You know, I have over the years, actually. Even a couple years ago, I did an Internet search, and I found out that she had moved to Glasgow. And so I wrote to her care of the hospital that she was working at. But... Never got a response hmm. from her, so um, that's you know that's I don't uh, that one is still a question mark. Hmm. I don't know quite what happened or why, and to this day I've never been to Scotland, and frankly to this day the sound of bagpipes makes me a little nauseous. So um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that ha- really you know sad. those things can happen. So um, just be prepared for them. I have traveled to other cities to meet other women. And, uh, and I guess fortunately those women have showed up, but I've always picked cities that I thought, well, even if the woman doesn't show up, I'm going to enjoy traveling. One was San Diego, and I'd never been there. This was a number of years ago. And one was Montreal, which I'd never been to, and again, the woman did show up. Uh, neither of those uh, ended up um, really 
doing much other than having a nice time in a foreign city or in, in a uh, city that was not my own. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm one of the few people I know, I guess, that has flown to London for a date and gotten stood up. Yes, that's, that is a sad story. It I mean, is a sad story, you, isn't it? I feel, based, I feel terrible just repeating it. Yes, yeah. based on what you um, knew of her, though, I mean, is that, like, had you ever gotten any, were there ever any red flags of uh, where she really wasn't so into the idea of marriage or the commitment? Was How old was she? I she was about now, nine years younger than I was, so that wasn't uh, you know a great uh, deal of difference. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't. This was about oh fifteen years ago, so um, you know I might have been late thirties. She would have been late twenties. Uh, I mean, so it there, wasn't like she anything, was a youngster. But no, I never come, got. Had anything but, come up? Um, where she expressed some doubts? Not to my, you know, not to this person, not to, uh, mm-hmm. not to my knowledge. And I, and I have gone over it, not recently, but I, I have gone over it over my mind, you know, That's my mind. Good. What, you know, where did I go wrong or what signals did I miss or anything like that. And frankly, you know, I never picked up on anything. I never picked up on any doubt. I never picked up on, uh, on anything, and you would think, uh, even if she had changed her mind, it would take one simple phone yes, call. Very, yes. I've decided that this is not working, or I've met somebody else, or whatever it is, just to uh, save yes. me the time and expense of actually flying to London. Hmm. But she didn't have the uh, even common courtesy to do that. So ultimately, probably was better off that it happened that way. Mm-hmm. Hmm. At least that's that's the philosophical berries. Yes, yes. I'm sure you probably have asked yourself a million times. Maybe you should have been like John Wayne and gone up there. And oh, I should have gone up there and, and dragged her by the hair back to London. No question about it. Uh, <laughs> I, it would have been fun going up to Galashiels on a search for her. Uh-huh. And like I said, I don't think that the city is that big, so right, I think I right. could have found her. But um, I just. I didn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, part of me regrets it, but part of me thinks, well, you know, well, leave well enough alone. Well, you know, what I'm sure you found out is that as um, with every bad girl, every ginger, when whether it's, you know, the girl who in high school who breaks up with you on your birthday to the, the girls subsequent to that, um, it makes it harder and harder to get your courage up and um, and make an effort with the next one. I mean, think to yourself, well, maybe come up with some rationalization or excuse and that will give you the courage to then go after, um, like the girl in Scotland, for example. Right. After having had so many disappointments, it's hard to sort of get yourself, pick yourself up and, and get the courage to go after her. And dust yourself off and start all over again like the Fred Astaire song. Um, you know, for me, um, I've always been the one who gets right back on the horse and goes for it again. Um, I don't think that these experiences, and maybe they should have, but I don't think these experiences have uh, dissuaded me from pursuing and even pursuing still the ginger types as well as the Marianne types. Um, and maybe it's just that, uh, you know, I'm a mule that needs to be 
hit on the head by a two by four. But um, like I said, that it, the experiences uh, have not necessarily dissuaded me from going forward. Well, I guess you know sometimes it can be really subtle, like. You know, it's not necessarily that you don't ever go after anyone again, but it's that you stop a little shorter than you might have had you not had the disappointments beforehand. Yeah, I think maybe dipping my toe in the pool before jumping in might be a little, uh, might be a great idea. Yes. All right, well, we need to take another break. My guest is Barry Rothman. His book is Marianne or Ginger. The Dilemma in Every Man's Life and How to Deal with It. And we'll be back with some more stories. And uh, and I'm sure you're all thinking about your own... Um, well, if you're a man, you're thinking about your own uh, dilemmas between Ginger and Marianne. And if you're a woman, you're wondering who you are, which one you are. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america son we gotta talk about drinking i know I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. 
and keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at one 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch where we're talking about pop culture and man's search for a soulmate. And in particular, the man is Barry Rothman. He is the author of Marianne or Ginger, The Dilemma in Every Man's Life and How to Deal with It. And um, you have a whole bunch of other uh, uh, stories, choices, dilemmas up your sleeve. Uh, there's one with Kirk Douglas, for example. Yes, yes. Um, Kirk Douglas, an actor that I just have the greatest admiration for. I think that anyone who could play Vincent Van Gogh in Spartacus with the same vigor, I think, is a great actor. And even though he's considered a great actor, I still think he's a little underrated. But uh, actually, he's written four autobiographies, and I've read them all with great interest. And the second one came out about 10 years ago, and it was called Climbing the Mountain, My Search for Meaning. And in that uh, book, he describes how he became a very devout uh, Jew. He, he was born and raised Jewish, but he was not at all religious. And uh, again, how he became very devout and very religious and I thought that was very interesting because I was born Jewish, and again, I'm not a religious person myself. Uh, but what really interested me in the book was that he kept uh, talking about his book editor, a young woman named Ushi, and she had uh, apparently converted from Catholicism to Judaism. And he, he mentioned her quite a, quite a bit in the book, and she sounded very interesting, but what really interested me was that there were some pictures of Ushi in the book. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, this is the cutest book editor that I ever did see. So I thought to myself, well, how can I meet Ushi, right? Uh, the obsessive compulsive disorder kicks in, I guess you might say. And uh, so I, I wrote uh, Kirk, Mr. Douglas, a, a very nice letter, told him how much I enjoyed the book, and I sent a picture of myself uh, with my business card. And I mentioned, uh, actually asked him, whether or not Ushi would like to meet a nice Jewish attorney. Uh-huh. And uh, I thought, well, you know, the odds of him writing me back are pretty much slim to none, so I, I just forgot about it. Well, about two weeks later, I got a lovely letter from him huh. uh, saying thank you for, you know, the kind things you said about my book. He said, yes, I sent your information on huh. to Ushi. He said she uh, she's a great girl, he told me. He said she lives in Jerusalem. So I thought, well, that's that's a little bit of a hurdle. <laughs> but of course, with London undesirable. behind me, anything goes, right? <laughs> and then he also said that she was very orthodox. So and I don't know if he meant that as a warning or not, but I uh, instantly emailed her, and we actually carried on an email correspondence for oh, at least three or four months. Actually, there was a point in time when Kirk was going to visit her in Jerusalem, and she came very close to inviting me herself. I, I'd never been there, and she said, as a Jew, you should visit Jerusalem. So I thought to myself, my God, I could go to Jerusalem, meet Ushi, meet Spartacus. I mean, what a great yes. trip that would be. Yes. But uh, unfortunately, uh, after those few months, she asked me what I refer to the book as the, as the 64,000 shekel question, 
she asked me, how religious mm. of a Jew are you? Mm. And I couldn't lie about something like that. I, I had to tell her, honestly, and I think I used the words like spiritual or hopeful agnostic. Uh-oh. Basically the kiss of death. Yes. And I never heard from Ushi again. And so we fast forward until uh, last year when Kirk came out with his last volume of memoirs. And in the preface, he says that Ushi had married a rabbi. Hmm. So I was very interested. So I still had her email address, and I emailed her. And she still remembered me, which was very nice. And it turns out that, yes, indeed, she married a rabbi in the Israeli army hmm. and that she was a step-grandmother. So, um, obviously, she married uh, an older rabbi. <laughs> but um, so, uh, you know, she is obviously very happy, uh, married, and with uh, grandchildren. And um, that was, you know, it was, it was nice to connect up with her. I wished her the best, and she did the same. And... Um, that's what happened, but uh, I felt, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Well, uh, have you ever been, um, have you ever looked into this? You know, I know in your book, and I, I want to sort of underline that um, you talk about how to deal with it, so it's not just about one one broken heart after another. Right. But did you ever, have you ever gone for therapy? Uh, on this particular subject yes. or for, for other reasons? For anything. Uh, yeah, I have. um and um, I, sometimes I've gone to therapy um, after breakups, after yes. bad breakups. Yes. But 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 the 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 actual time that I had gone, uh, I guess the most was when I was with someone, and we went to couples therapy. Mm, yes. And uh, I actually, uh, you know, did it with a you know uh, open mind and. Uh, Unfortunately, the woman that I was with had a very closed mind to it. Uh, she was she griped all the way, and she was not really interested in what the therapist had to say. Um, you know, I, but I kept telling her, "Well, you know, let's keep going, and maybe we can salvage something here." And uh, but it takes two. Yeah. Um, she really wasn't ultimately interested, so that was a waste yeah. of a number yeah. of months and. Uh, uh, so she stopped going. We broke up. I continued with her, the therapist, that is, for a few more months, but um, felt that I really didn't need to discuss uh, that relationship or really any other relationship with her. So so I stopped therapy and really haven't picked up on it uh, since, although, uh, you know, I, I, I think everyone including myself, uh, could use therapy from, from time to time. And, uh, you know, it's not a bad idea. Well, and you, know, you mentioned your couch is, is, is available, <laughs> so uh, yes. I'll be there. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, these things really are, um, it, it is, it, they can't, well, just like with anything. I mean, let's talk about, let, I don't want to put you on the spot on the air, but more than I have. But, um, for example, let's, let's go to Tiger Woods since he's not here to defend himself. Right. Um, you know, for example, I mean, there are always psychological or deep psychological reasons for things. They, they generally, they stem from childhood. Um, there could be lots of different, it's not the same scenario, but it's always something that starts in childhood. And with, with Tiger Woods, just as an example, 
um, why did he, why has he been with ten, nine or ten mistresses? Why did he leave his gorgeous Swedish wife at home while he was with these rather tawdry women? Right. Okay. Well, you know, I, 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 I thought about that a lot, and I've likened it to the John Edwards situation or the David Letterman situation or the Bill Clinton situation. Um, and I think, I think, unfortunately, it's just the nature of a lot of males out there that they feel like they have to date and mate a lot of women. Well, okay. Well, actually, there's the music. I want to make sure I give out your website. Okay. Um, but... But where I was going with this was that it was related to his, well, I'm sure there's something related to his mother, but currently, more more currently, it was related to his father's death. In my opinion, it has hmm. to do with his uh, grieving for his father and both defying death by, by having these life-affirming trysts and also being self-destructive sure. because of sort of, you know, ever since his father was his best friend and ever That's since right. his father died, his life, his, his game and his um, his social life or his married life have both gone to gone to pot. Um, right. Let's. I want to give out your website so that people can go and find out more about the book. It's maryannorginger.com, dot com. or ginger g i n g e r dot com. Maryannorginger dot com. And of course, you can get this from Amazon, right? Yeah, go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and just type in Mary Ann or Ginger, and the book pops right up. Yes, and uh, this has been fascinating, and and um, we I, I look forward to talking with you more. <laughs> thank you very much, Doctor. All right, it. thank you all for listening. Hope you've, um, oh, especially in the context of today, with with all that's going on uh, with Tiger Woods. Appreciate that this is a complex dilemma, and uh, and you'll have to buy my book, Bad Girls, to find out all the deep-seated reasons for why this happened. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili, radio to thrive by.